0: Well, Pitt starts its season off with a big win. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Pitt's gigantic win, 55-0 over Austin P, and what that means, what we saw from the game, and what it means for this team, and what we should expect to see moving forward as the Panthers prepare for their game next week against Syracuse. Uh, let's start with the game. First, on a macro sense, and a macro scale, this is a big win for Pitt. And I know that sounds weird because they beat a team from the Ohio Valley Conference. They beat Austin P, a team a lot of people haven't heard of. But for Pitt, this is big. Pitt normally struggles in these kinds of games. And Pat Narduzzi talked about it in his post-game press conference. He said yeah, normally, he didn't want to say play down, but he said normally, uh, you know, we we make these games close. Games against, again, what he wouldn't say, but lesser opponents, inferior opponents. You talk about the game against Eastern Eastern Michigan in the bowl game last year. You talk about Delaware nearly losing to the Blue Hens last year, struggling against Ohio last year, and before that, they nearly lost to Youngstown State a few years ago. Pitt always seems to struggle in these games because they sort of play down to lesser opponents. It goes the other way, where they play up to top opponents. That's how they beat Penn State when Penn State could have gone to the college football playoff. It's how they beat Clemson, who went on to win the national championship. It's how they beat number two Miami. It's how they beat West Virginia back in the day. You know, that's how Pitt does it. They play up to good opponents, and they play down to weaker opponents. And Austin P is certainly a weaker opponent. So while, yes, this is a typical win most of time, most people looking on ESPN or CBS Sports, you're scrolling through, and you see the score, you know, you just, who cares? It's Austin P. But if you're a Pitt fan, and if you're listening to this, I assume you are, this is a big deal, because, or a big win, because Pitt struggles with these games, and they didn't struggle in the slightest on Saturday. Not in the slightest. There was not a single unit in that first half, and I'm really mostly going to talk about the first half, because, They pulled the starters at halftime, and so we didn't really see much from the first team in the second half. But in the first half, there really wasn't a weak spot. They didn't let Austin P get into the game at all. And they just kept jamming it down their throats, and they showed that Pitt is a powerful team. They are much more powerful than Austin P, and they're not going to play down to an opponent that seems weaker. They're going to just keep going at it, and they're going to play their best game week in and week out, and that level of discipline and that level of consistency that we normally don't see from the Pit Panthers. So that's huge. And Narduzzi said after the game that he wanted his team to make a statement, and that's what they did. They made a statement. He wanted to show Pit fans. He wanted to show people covering the team. He wanted to show the national audience. He wanted to show that this Pit team is different from teams in the past. That this is not a team that's going to play down to weaker opponents. This is, the, this is a team that when you play a team that you should beat, you're going to beat them, and you're going to beat them by a lot. Now, we'll see if that carries over. Again, just next week against Syracuse, that's a team the Pitt should beat, and we'll see if they actually do. But this is a game the Pitt should have won and should have won big, and they won huge. And so that's a really optimistic sign. If you're a pit fan and you've seen a lot of pit and know that this is not normally how things go, that normally these kinds of games are more of a struggle than you would hope, and in this game there was not a single bit of struggle. So let's talk about the game in particular. I'm gonna talk about the first half. It was 42 to nothing. 42 nothing at halftime is just incredible, and it's so incredible that what they ended up doing was changing the time limits of the game, changing the clock. They First of all, Pitt pulled their starters, and so no matter what was going to happen, Pitt was not going to face any injury concerns, risks, anything like that. They pulled the starters. But on top of that, both teams agreed to have shorter quarters. So they both agreed to just play 10-minute quarters for the third and for the fourth because, really, what's the point? Austin P knew what they were getting. They were getting some money and an experience playing a big-time college team. Pitt knew what they were getting. They were getting a win, and they were playing dominantly, and so at that point, you don't want to risk injury. You don't want to humiliate Austin P. You don't want to run up the score, and so both teams agreed, you know what? Let's just shorten the game and get out of here with everybody intact, and that's what they did, and the fact that, that they did that, that Pitt got to the position where their opponent agreed, hey, let's make this game shorter because it's getting out of hand, that's pretty incredible. So... Just a big statement there for Pitt when they were up 42-0 at halftime. Looking at some of the individual performances, there was a lot to like. Starting with the quarterback, Kenny Pickett, who I said in my last episode last week with Jim Hammett, that Kenny Pickett really needs to take a step up this year. This is his senior season. This is his third full year as a starter after coming in the end of his freshman year with that huge win against Miami, that big upset, and... Now that he's a starter now that, for three years, now that he's a senior, now that he's a captain, he needs to take a step up and not just be a good quarterback, but be a very good quarterback. One of the, the top ones in the ACC. And we saw a bit of a step up last season. His sophomore year, he struggled. Last season, he took a bit of a step up. He was able to lead the team down the field in some close games against UCF, against Duke. So we saw it. We certainly saw flashes. But this is the year where you want to see it consistently, someone to really put together a great season. And from what we saw, that's that's what we saw from him in that first half. He went 14 for 20. He had one passing touchdown. He had one rushing touchdown. And more importantly, they were able to make some big plays so that the running game could really uh, get going and, and was never really slowed down. So in a game where he didn't have to do much, he still did a lot. Like I said, one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown. He showed creativity. He got some time from his offensive line, which is big. And he didn't just go to the the first guy that he saw, the guy that the play was designed for. That was a problem that we saw with him, particularly his sophomore year. And a lot of that was because the offensive line wasn't particularly good. And so he didn't really have any time. He just went to the wide receiver or the tight end that the play was designed for he went for his first option and that was it because he didn't have time this time we saw that he was able to be a bit more creative and he was able to really be a general out there so that's a big start for kenny pickett again it's a weak opponent we'll see what happens next week but certainly a promising start for kenny pickett to go out and have a, a top senior year next unit the running backs and this unit looked absolutely stacked you're talking about five guys who all had an impressive day and all look like they can contribute moving ahead in this season. So let's just talk about these guys because you've got a lot of a lot of talented guys, and most of them are pretty young too. So first, Vincent Davis. He had two touchdowns on the ground. Vincent Davis, who was a freshman last year, showed some excitement. Seems like a guy who can really come in, change the pace a little bit. He's small, but he can get a lot done. And he had two rushing touchdowns in that game. And so, you know, a big day for him. Then, And he's just a sophomore now. Then you've got Todd Sibley, who had sort of an interesting day. He had two touchdowns, and yet he only had two yards rushing total which is kind of amazing, because in a lot of these cases, Pitt was able to get down to the one-yard line, the two-yard line, and then just punch it in for the touchdown. That's why Kenny Pickett only had one touchdown pass, was because almost all these touchdowns, Pitt was able to run it in because they got so close to the end zone. So Todd Sibley had two rushing yards total, and yet one of them was a rushing touchdown, and then he had a second touchdown on a punt block. This is when things were really out of hand for Austin P. that... Pitt was able to block a punt and run it back into the end zone. So Todd Sibley, who is a junior, also a promising running back, looks like he can contribute a lot. He had two touchdowns on the day. Then you've got Daniel Carter, who's a freshman. He had a touchdown on the day. You've got Israel Abanaconda, a true freshman from New York. He had a touchdown and looks like he can be really promising. And then you've got A.J. Davis, who is the lone senior of this squad, he was without a touchdown. He's still at 24 yards. Again, you don't really need a touchdown. Everyone just seemed to get one, and they were spreading it out so much. So he did not get one, but still, you know, a solid day for all of these running backs. So now you're talking about five running backs who all really seem like they can contribute at a high level. And a big problem with the team last year was you had, I believe it was like four running backs who all got on the field at different points. The problem was, it didn't really seem like anyone was reliable enough to be a top running back and to be a lead rusher. You had a lot of guys, maybe they'd get hot for a a drive, maybe they'd get hot even for a game, but they didn't really seem to establish themselves as a top running back. And so far, again, it's very early and we'll see, but so far... This seems like an embarrassment of riches. You've got five guys who all seem, at the very least, competent. And and some potential breakout stars here. Again, Pitt is known for its running backs. Uh, going back from Tony Dorsett, most recently James Conner, and everyone in between. And so now you're talking about five guys, one senior, one junior, a sophomore, and two freshmen. All who can contribute at a high level. And we'll see what comes of it. I have no clue who is going to be the main person because on the depth chart, it's not really clear. It wasn't really clear in uh, this game against Austin P. So we'll really see against Syracuse how they decide to go. And it very well may just be whoever has the hot hand. And if one running back doesn't have it, they'll sit and then another running back will come in. And if they've got it, They're just going to keep on going. But the beauty is that with five running backs, you've got all these options. So if someone just isn't having a good day, if they don't stack up particularly well against a certain team, if Vincent Davis being smaller doesn't stack up well against a really big defensive line and he can't seem to get through them, then you toss in another running back and you just see what works. You see what sticks. And there's not really one starting running back at the moment, and it seems like they'll just go with the hot hand, and so now you have that depth to really be able to see, okay, who is it who's going to have that hot hand, so pretty exciting unit there for the Panthers, that you've got five guys who all look like they can contribute, and uh, it should be a pretty interesting backfield coming up this fall, and then you take a look at the wide receivers, Again, they didn't have too much uh, to do because Kenny Pickett had 14 completions in the first half. Most of this was running, that the way this offense worked. But you look at the wide receivers and a couple takeaways. First of all, Jordan Addison, true freshman. He was on everyone's watch list as sort of a guy to look out for. He's going to be the person that they're really going to try to target and to get involved with the offense and to maybe be creative and things like that to To become a, a top-level freshman wide receiver. I know last week with Jim Hammett, we talked about how maybe he's the next Tyler Boyd. Not quite to the same level, but Pitt hasn't had a breakout uh, freshman wide receiver since Tyler Boyd, and maybe Jordan Addison could be that. He had seven receptions, uh, the most targets from uh, Kenny Pickett, and so that certainly seems to be something where, moving forward... <laughs> Jordan Addison is going to be extremely involved in the offense. Then on top of that, you've got Shocky Jacques-Louis, who only had one reception, but it was a bomb. It was a 68-yard pass right on the money, and a great catch from Shocky Jacques-Louis. So you can sort of see him playing that Deshaun Jackson sort of a role, just that deep threat guy who maybe he's not involved in every single play, but... Every now and again, he can just burn you and he can have a long completion and uh, really move the ball down the field when you need it to, to happen. So it seems like you've got a sort of nice core here. And then you can't forget DJ Turner, who is this transfer from Maryland. He joined the team about two weeks ago and because Maryland isn't playing, well, they might now. We'll, we'll see what's going on with the Big Ten. But when the Big Ten was not going to be playing a season, DJ Turner transferred and he was able to play immediately uh, for the Panthers. He transferred from Maryland, and this is a huge transfer. I mean, at the time, this this came out of nowhere, and everyone said, "Oh, wow, that this could be he could really be a contributor." And he got a touchdown in his first game with the Panthers. Uh, Kenny Pickett's one touchdown pass was to DJ Turner. So you've got an experienced wide receiver uh, who you can trust in DJ Turner. You've got Jordan Addison who, you know, can really do some some exciting things and interested to see what he's able to put together. And sh- then Shocky Jacques-Louis, as long as he can stay healthy, seems like he can be a great wide receiver and uh, obviously a, a deep threat and can really make some explosive plays. So the wide receiver core seems like it's got a lot going on. On top of that, I mentioned the offensive line. They were able to protect Kenny Pickett. And then you take a look at the defense. I won't go unit by unit. But the defense was stellar. I mean, you just look at the scoreline. They did not allow a single point uh, to this uh, Austin P football team. Paris Ford had a, a huge day, again, just that first half. But he blew up one play. He had an interception in another. Paris Ford looks exactly like you would expect and hope from a guy who was phenomenal last season and is back for one more year to really wreak havoc. Paris Ford should be one of the top defensive players in the ACC. He certainly looked like it. On uh, Saturday, and so that, that whole defense looked phenomenal. And when you look at the totality of this team and of what we saw in this game, my big takeaway is that this really feels like the Pat Narduzzi signature team that he has been working towards. This seems like everything that Pat Narduzzi has wanted, he's finally got in a football team. Now, it's unfortunate that the season he's got it is a season that's happening in a, in a pandemic where you don't have all your players. For instance, they didn't have Taysier Mack out there, another wide receiver who should be very good with this team. They were missing a couple other guys. They were missing their tight end, Lucas Crawl, And they were able to do all without that. And the hope is that they'll be there this, uh, this coming weekend and moving forward. But in a season that... It, seems pretty unfortunate, and the schedule got a lot tougher when they had to change things around, and you don't have the divisions where you can win a weaker division like the Coastal now to get into the ACC Championship. It's a lot tougher this year, and it's unfortunate that this is the season that Narduzzi seems to have really been putting it all together and working towards. But when you talk about, for instance, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you put together all these characters and all these movies, they were building to something. They were building to those last two movies, to Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. They had all these things. They were putting these pieces together, and they always knew what they wanted to get to. And that seems to be what Pat Narduzzi has been doing. He said right when he got hired exactly the kind of team that he wants. He wants a ground-and-pound, run-first offense that can just run it down your throat. He wants to be able to establish the run so that there can be a passing game and that you can have some exciting passing plays when you need to have them. And then he wants a defense that will absolutely choke you out, that will not allow anything, that will wreak havoc, that'll cause interceptions, they'll cause safeties, they'll cause fumbles, they'll cause you know, turnovers of any kind, and that just will not slow down. He talked, I think we had the air raid defense at Michigan State. I mean, this has been something, he is a defensive guy. The signature has been defense. He wants to have a defensive-minded team, and we saw that in the defense last year. It seems like they're doing that again this year, and even maybe to another extent, uh, to a higher extent, where... This is that sort of team that Narduzzi has been building for. Since he got to Pitt, he has been talking about exactly what he wants, and again, it's just one game. But from what we saw on Saturday against Austin P, this is the kind of team that Pat Narduzzi has spent years working towards, recruiting for, coaching up, all these things. This is the team that is actually shaped like he wants it to be. When he got to Pitt, the, the defensive cupboard was pretty bare. Paul Crist and his uh, his... Uh, administration did not really do too well when it came to recruiting on the defensive end and coaching them up. Narduzzi had to change that, and it takes a few years with recruiting, with turning everything around. And then the offense was lacking, and then they had to get the offense going. Now it seems like they have what he's been building towards. He, They put all the pieces together. They got Iron Man in there. They got the Thor movies. They've got the Captain America trilogy. They've got everything all together. And now they have finally, it seems... Put the pieces together, and they had throughout this whole time he knows what he has wanted. And now it seems again, it's early, it seems like he has it. He's got the running game that he wants, he's got a passing game that can really be creative, he's got a quarterback who he can trust, and he's got a defense that it should be, looks to be spectacular. And that is what he has been working towards for years. So it seems like he's got it. We'll see. There's a lot ahead. We're going to talk just a moment after the break about uh, Syracuse upcoming this week, and of course, the huge news about, uh, Pitt and where they stand in the rankings. First, we'll take a quick break and hear a very brief word from our sponsors. Okay, we are back. Uh, before we talk about the Syracuse game, Pitt got ranked. Pitt is number 25 in the nation. Now, small caveat, there's no Big Ten playing, there is no, uh, uh Pac-12 playing, and so, The pickings, a little bit slim, Uh, a little bit slim. But still, this is a big accomplishment for Pitt to be ranked in the top 25 because, uh, as we all know, that does not happen too often. And so for the teams that are playing, you're talking ACC, SEC, Big 12, And uh, the American Athletic Conference, and then a couple independents, Appalachian State, uh, I believe, was ranked. BYU is independent, Army, stuff like that. So you put it all together, and yes, there are fewer teams than there normally are. And yes, if all the teams were playing, if Ohio State was playing and all that, Pitt wouldn't be ranked. But they're ranked. And for now, you just take that as an accomplishment for what it is. Pitt is ranked number 25 in the nation they uh, finish just ahead of Baylor and West Virginia, I might add. They finished just behind uh, Appalachian State. And uh, Kentucky are the two teams above them. We'll see what happens uh, if Pitt can beat Syracuse this weekend. But even with all the caveats, Pitt being ranked, still uh, a pretty nice moment for the program. And uh, you'll see. I mean, the part of what's interesting about college football is the preseason rankings carry so much weight, and more weight than they really should. Because what ends up happening is, They rank these teams preseason, and then you just move teams around. So you can have a team who you rank number one to start the season, and they lose their first game, and then maybe you drop them to eight. You know, maybe it was a tough. Okay, so you drop them to eight, and then they lose their second game, and then maybe you drop them to eighteen or you drop them to twenty. But that means you're you've got a team that starts zero and two. And they're still ranked just because people expected them to be good, because they ranked them well in the preseason, because they were good last year. And that's really what ends up happening, is teams tend to just be moved up or down based on their previous ranking and then what they did that that last weekend. So what that really means is, you know, at the top, you see, okay, if if Clemson loses a game, they drop a couple slots. If Clemson's number two and they win, then they move up. But what it means for a team like Pitt, is that once you get into the rankings, as long as you keep winning, you're going to keep climbing. Because any team that's above you that loses a game when you win, you're going to leapfrog them. There's no way that, again, teams in the, in the same realm. So you're obviously not going to leapfrog Clemson if they lose. But you talk about Appalachian State, Kentucky, Army, BYU, Virginia Tech, the teams that are above Pitt. If Pitt wins this weekend and any of those teams lose, Pitt will... Most likely jump ahead of them. And so, because of just the way that things work and how people tend to vote, they look at their ballot from the last week, then they see what happened that weekend, and then they adjust accordingly. So, now that Pitt is in the rankings and everyone sees them there, it's part of a self fulfilling prophecy. If they win, they will not fall out of the rankings. If you are a team on the edge, 22, 23, 24, 25, and you lose, you're out. No question about it. Doesn't matter who you lost to, you're out of the rankings. But if you win, you're going to stay there. And in all likelihood, you'll keep climbing up because teams above you will lose. And ultimately, unless a team has a gigantic win that's outside of the top 25, it's tough to get in there. Baylor, West Virginia, Georgia Tech, TCU, unless it's a gigantic win, they're not really going to leapfrog you because too often, a lot of these voters don't really wait by the win. They just want to see, did you win or did you lose? And then they work it all out later. So A lot of caveats, but the fact that Pitt is ranked in the top 25 is good news for this Panthers program, and if they win, they're going to keep rising, and they'll certainly stay in the rankings. Um, Let's talk about next week, Syracuse at home, 12 o'clock on Saturday, and this game, I think, is going to be close. Now, on paper, it shouldn't be close. Because you look at Pitt, and they won 55-0 this past weekend. You look at Syracuse, they lost 31-6 this past weekend. The Orange struggled last year. They played a North Carolina team. A very good North Carolina team, I should add. A ranked North Carolina team. And they just dominated Syracuse. Syracuse did not look good. But it's just one game. And Pitt and Syracuse always play each other close. Always. Always whether it's a game where both teams score in the 70s or it's a game that Aaron Donald has to single-handedly win on defense. Whatever it is, these teams always play each other close. It really feels like a rivalry on paper, even though no one actually has that rivalry in their hearts. But just because you play them every single year, and every single year it seems to be close. And you take a look at the opening odds. Pitt opened as a 21-point favorite. A 21-point favorite. I think against Austin P, they were maybe a 28-point favorite. And you're talking about a difference between a team from the Ohio Valley Conference and a team that plays Pitt close every single year. There is no way that Pitt should be a 21-point favorite. Now, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe Pitt will get that. And if you're listening to this and you bet Pitt against the spread, and Pitt wins by four touchdowns, then you know, I'll I'll lead Crow. You know, I'd be happy to be wrong. But with the way that Pitt and Syracuse play each other every year and the way that Pitt, and again, this past week, Pat Narduzzi wanted to make a statement, so we'll see. But Pitt tends to not win blowouts. They tend to either win close games or they lose close games. And that's been the case for many years. It's certainly been the case under Pat Narduzzi. And while he's looking to change that perception and he he accomplished the goal against Austin P. I'm still not convinced. I think they, they will probably win against Syracuse. They absolutely should win against Syracuse. But but do not do not uh bet Pitt against the spread. Do not uh bank that they will win by more than three touchdowns, because I really just don't see it. Uh Pitt is a good team. I think they'll win. Uh and and there's a lot to see because again against Austin P, you don't really know what is real and what is just a poor opponent Syracuse while Pitt should beat them they're not a poor opponent this is another ACC team and whatever we see against the orange we'll be able to take that as as observers of this team and say okay this person is good this unit is good this unit is bad because Syracuse is a legitimate ACC program even if this might be a bit of a down year for them or down couple years but Syracuse is not Austin P, so I don't think this game will be a blowout. We will be able to find out a lot more about this Panthers team with the Syracuse game. Uh, I I think it'll be close. I think it should be good. I just think that 21-point spread is nuts. Um, Now, granted, I thought even 28-point spread or whatever it was against uh, Austin P was a little bit nuts because I assumed Pitt would play down to an inferior opponent. They didn't. And so that's sort of the same thinking here against Syracuse. I just think it's a bit of a different story when you're talking about Austin P and Syracuse. Syracuse... While, yes, on on paper, everything, it's inferior to Pitt this season. This is a program that's about, even with Pitt, year in, year out, Pitt often will get the better of the Orange, which is part of why I think they're going to win, but I do not think it'll be a blowout. I think Pitt wins by maybe 7 points, 10 points. I, I certainly don't think it'll be more... Uh, than than 21. But we'll see. So big game this weekend. Pitt at home again. Obviously no fans, but a big game against Syracuse, and we'll see what this pit team has. Uh, finally before we go, want to name a Panther of the Week. Gonna be doing this every week as we always do during the season. This week there's not just one player that you can give it to because everything was so spread out. You talk about Pickett, the five running backs, multiple wide receivers, Paris Ford had a great game on defense. So did some other guys. I'm gonna give it to Pat Narduzzi. Partly For constructing this team that was able to spread it out and do all this on the field and get your opponent to agree to a shortened game, essentially a mercy rule. And so part of it is just the on the field part that this team in a full collective, real collective team effort demolished their opponents. So Panarduzzi would get it for that alone. But also, I didn't think we would get to this point. I did not think that college football was going to happen. And I certainly didn't think, and I still have my reservations, didn't think that the season would happen uh, without interruptions because we saw Virginia Tech just uh, a few days ago announced that they're not going to be able to play their next game uh, next week against Virginia because Virginia Tech is having a a mini outbreak of COVID cases. So I'm still not completely sold that everything's going to happen and everything's going to happen on time. But I also didn't know if we would get to this point, that we would see college football at all because of the risk factor and because of the fact that these players are amateurs and that they're students. The fact that they got here, the fact that they did not have an outbreak of uh, COVID cases, which even though these people are young, these players, even though they're young, they're strong, that does not mean all too much when it comes to a disease that that is this harmful and this random, frankly, because there are a lot of young, healthy people who get really sick, just like there are some older people who end up being able to make it through this. You just don't know who it's going to affect and whether it's fatal or it just causes some lifelong effects. We still don't know, but it's certainly a disease, a virus that no one wants to get no matter how young or healthy you are. And so protecting these players and making sure that they were all responsible and that the team was responsible for them was of the utmost importance. I was worried about it. And while there were a couple of, uh, caveats. He talked about Rashad Weaver, who wasn't able to play in the game, and he tweeted, it was, it was due to a positive COVID test, but he tweeted that he went to one company that said it was positive, then they went to another company that said it was negative a couple days later, went back to the first company that said positive again, then went back to a third company that said negative after that. So you're talking about one company that seems maybe they're giving false positives, and he didn't actually have COVID, but had to be kept out. Uh, regardless, which of course is obviously you want to play it safe, but uh, it certainly seems like you know COVID has not stricken this team. It seems like Rashad Weaver doesn't actually have it, despite maybe looks like a false positive. Uh, the team wide, there has not been a spread. Coaches haven't gotten it. They have been responsible, and he's said as much in his post game press conference. He said. Everything they were doing in the summer, all this stuff, you know, the, the wearing the masks and social distancing as much as possible, and everything they were doing to be responsible, not partying, things like that, that was all so that they could earn the right to play football week one. But then he turned right around and he said, now we have to do it again we have to earn the right to play football for week 2 every single week i'm not going to be convinced that there's going to be a game happening 100% sure until probably the the day before game day probably until friday is when i'll be convinced okay there's a game happening tomorrow but every single week the teams going both teams are going to have to go out and earn it and be responsible and look out for themselves and look out for their teammates and their communities and and really make sure that they do not bring covid into the team, because once it's there, it it just becomes hell, and they've done it. They have limited the amount uh, of—they've limited everything. They have not allowed COVID to get into this team so far, and uh, and again, false positive aside, it certainly looks like they've done a great job, and so on top of all the on-field stuff, the fact that Pat Narduzzi has been able to stress the importance of— of the COVID risk to his team, that they've listened to him. It shows that he's a leader and that they take it all just as seriously as a lot of fans do who who want to see football, but want to uh, want players to be safe and don't want to feel uh, dirty about watching college football and, and risking players health for their enjoyment. Well, it certainly looks like this team is on top of it. They take their health seriously, and they are stopping COVID uh, from becoming an issue, uh, and and allowing themselves to play football. So, a lot of great leadership there. Of course, the leadership through uh, the protests, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, and and protesting racial inequality. For a little bit, Pat Narduzzi, people weren't exactly sure where he stood. Then he made it crystal clear. He stands with his players. He stands for equality. And uh, he's been vocal about it since then. And that was a big moment for him. And someone who just, without thinking about it, probably, uh, you know, came up a little bit short in the past just by not necessarily addressing it. But it seems like he really listened to his players. He listened to the moment. And he understood the gravity of the situation. And he really is... Uh, doing everything that he can to keep this team unified, but also uh, progressing towards a better future. So both on the field, off the field, for a multitude of reasons, Pat Narduzzi getting this team through the offseason and to the 2020 football season. He gets Panther of the week. Uh, just a great job by him this uh these last few months so that is it for this episode of unscripted uh we will be back next week following the syracuse game we're going to be putting out episodes uh every single monday after uh pit plays we'll come out with a new episode on monday and we'll just keep this going for the rest of the season as long as the season keeps happening. I really hope it does because it was a blast uh, to watch pit football back on the field this past weekend, and I hope to be able to do it again with all of you moving forward. You can find me on Twitter. Follow me. Tweet me at Corey E. Cohen, C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N. You can uh, find all our stuff at cardiachill.com. You can comment on there, and uh, you can download and subscribe to the Unscripted Podcast. Just search for Cardiac Hill, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify. And uh, you can subscribe, get the, the, the new episodes right to your phone whenever they come out, rate, review, do whatever uh, do whatever you feel like doing. Uh, I'll be back next Monday after the Pitt vs. Syracuse game. Until next time, I'm Corey Cohen, signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill Podcast.